I think that's the biggest, the big thing is just that you can do both. Like, like if you choose to not drink, amazing. If you choose to drink, that's also awesome too. But just feeling really uh, like a hundred percent yes with whatever choice you make, I think is the biggest thing. So if I go out and it's not a hundred percent yes that I want to drink, I don't. And if it isn't, then I do. And it's great. This is for the others out there, the other ambitious people who want to play at a higher level in their life. It's time to get curious and get real. Join me, and together, let's find the others. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Find the Others podcast. I am your host, Joshua Church. Grateful to have you with us. New episodes are dropping every Wednesday and Sunday, so be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can get the notification when a new episode comes out. And give me a follow on Instagram at Joshua Dean Church to catch different clips and highlights that I post. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, you find something that might be valuable, please be sure to share it with a friend who also might be into it so that together we can continue to grow our tribe of others. Today, I'm excited to bring you a conversation with Hannah Minardi. Raised between the beautiful Central Coast and the majestic islands of Hawaii, Hannah Minardi is bound by her commitment to living a purposeful and impact-driven life. Through an empathetic and creative lens, Hannah crafts strategy supported by depth, innovation, and thoughtfulness. She specializes in marketing strategy and developing meaningful consumer experiences through her agency, With7, and has been fortunate enough to collaborate with both large and small-scale brands such as Nike, Waterdrop, Lululemon, SoulCycle, Hot Pilates, and more. We talked about a range of awesome topics, from her homeschooling experience to working full-time at a startup while taking full-time college classes, to navigating career paths, to wellness routines and recovering from burnout, to running to Las Vegas, yes, you heard me right, and everything in between. Give Hannah a follow on Instagram, at Hannah Minardi, to stay up to date with the latest. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Hannah Minardi. Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Hello. We are rolling. Oh, I'm glad you were able to join me on. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I bugged you long enough. Yes. <laughs> Make it happen. Yeah. Well, you said all topics are on the table, so yeah. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slight anxiety around that. Yeah. We'll see. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So I'm you've been texting you. Okay. Can you cut that? Yeah. Out? Exactly. Cut out that part. Um. How have you been enjoying San Diego? Is my first question to you. Ooh, I mean, it would not be the same with all the churches or without all the churches. Yeah. That's definitely been the best part of it. Um, a big difference from LA for sure, uh, especially having been there for eight years and then not having left that whole yeah. time. So it's been a really good change of pace and lifestyle. And for sure. you've got, I mean, you've got a big tribe up in LA too. So yeah. has it been challenging not being around them or? I think I've actually just enjoyed this time. I feel like I've looked at San Diego time as kind of head down, uh, like ruminating on a lot of things, doing a lot of good, solid work. And then when I want to go be in LA, I can and nothing's different. Yeah. 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 That's what I've loved about living in San Diego so much is that instead of retreating back to San Diego when you want a breath of air, you like live in the breath of air and then you can go up and get... The other stuff up in LA when you want. Especially literally the breath of air during this time. Oh, like, yeah. Just anxiety levels uh, have been totally different here versus yeah. in LA or a big city. Yeah. And I want to ask you about that because you're someone who, from my experience, does not live in fear. Like generally, like it seems yeah. like you have a pretty solid assurance in what your body's capable of and just and just fear in general. How what, What's your role with that? Yeah. I mean, I think during these times, I'm so averse to the fear and scarcity mentality. And so it was something I did starting at the beginning of the pandemic, which was just getting out of the city as much as possible. And I'd go come down here to San Diego or I'd go to my hometown, which is super small and um, also very similar mentality to being here. And there's just a lot more space. So even following all of the guidelines, it's just possible to have more space and still be outdoors and still be able to live more of your lifestyle without 
as many hiccups as there are in the big cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just realizing, recognizing myself where I'm starting to get anxious or where I'm starting to feel like I'm not connected to myself or connected to everyone around me and then figuring out how I can make sure that I get out of that funk. And so if that means fully changing space, I did that multiple times last year or this summer, I felt like I wanted a big adjustment. So I fully left for a few months, mm-hmm. um, which has been really fun. But then I really enjoy also big city life. So I think it just figuring out what that balance looks like yeah. can help anxiety and fear be diminished. Yeah. I also, I feel like that's something that not a lot of us actually consider like we just pick a city to live in because maybe it's a job opportunity that's where we're from or family but noticing how like noticing what different environments how they affect you yeah in different ways for sure and I think too like when you go to college and then you just get wrapped into whatever comes next so for me I went to college and then I kept going in the same city a lot of people go to college and maybe move after that but I stayed in the same city but I just realized whenever I got to um when I was getting to that point where I was like boiling up and stuck in big city life, then I would just retreat and whatever that, whatever I needed to do to have that retreat mode, whether it'd be just leaving my phone at home and going to the beach in LA if I couldn't get out of the city or it was taking a weekend and going up to my hometown, which is a lot smaller and totally, totally different lifestyle. It's like being in a Hallmark movie. So it's way different than San Diego too. But even just that and realizing what's really important yeah, that's that's great. Like micro dosing those little elements of yeah. solitude of of like mini vacations in a way. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be such a big thing, huh? Yeah. And then that way you're not so burnt out and not at the level of burnout and which that happens a lot in LA, especially. Yeah. yeah. What's your experience with burnout been? I know you've had a history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know that probably more than most people, but I think uh yeah, burnout is really interesting especially coming from someone who's really type A, has a lot of high ambitions and goals and has a lot of people around you with the same high level of achievements and of goals in their life and are always pushing to be at a high level, including Mm -hmm. yourself, including your family who I've been surrounded by, including a lot of our mutual friends. Uh, And so it can be really addicting to be on that. And I've been so grateful to be around those kind of people and I'm so glad I have those high ambitions, but I also, it has led me to burn out at different times. Uh, And I mean, especially so I hit a big burnout point at the end of 2019, which is crazy because it was before the pandemic. And I feel like I had to do my own version of isolation because I was really hit such a breaking point. Uh, My body couldn't take any more that I was fully fatigued for a couple months and then the pandemic hit. So it was like two big burnouts all in one back-to-back windows. So, and, and I mean, just for context, like you were, you were doing a lot during that time. I mean, you do a lot and you're (laughs) abnormal in that way in the best way possible, but like your college years were spent working in a startup company full time, right? You were doing full time work and full-time school, right? Yeah. Yeah. And our full-time work, I mean, was probably also more than a lot of startups even worked, which is crazy. But um, we were really excited and it was part of, I guess, all of our story and start to our careers, but it was also a lot. And we worked probably like 15 hours plus a day, sometimes most days. And uh we were just addicted to the fact that everything that you could touch and do to the company made a big difference, which is mm-hmm. a startup really easy to do. Um, and so I also didn't want to stop anything else I was doing. I was still doing college. I was still working that many hours. I was still having a social life. I was still working out multiple times a day. I was still keeping up with every uh, crazy high-powered thing I could possibly do on top of all of those hours and there are only 24 hours in the day yeah you probably felt that big time so something yeah. has to give so what what was get sleep I guess is that the only thing left right yeah I mean sleep is <laughs> is the first thing that I gave every single time so I think um it, for also for context I worked with your sister right. who's amazing and incredible and she's the biggest sleep advocate <laughs> she's um, a sleep advocate certainly I did the absolute opposite of everything that she said in regards to sleep. I did everything she said in regards to every area of life except for sleep. Um, so much so that my sleep average for 
my sophomore year of college, I think was three hours for a whole year. Jeez. Yeah. And you were functioning, you like you were high level functioning. I was functioning that. and I never burnt out for yeah. three years. I basically kept up that schedule. Maybe I added a couple more hours the next year, but not that much. And it was, I was just so excited about life too. And I think that's why I kind of ignored it for so long because everything I was doing, I was genuinely excited about. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like, oh, I have to get up and go do this or, oh, I have to. I chose everything I did, but it was still ignoring what really, I guess, self-care is because I was doing so many things and filling my time with so many things that I was ignoring so many signals my body was trying to tell me. And then you hit a wall. Then I hit a wall. Your body was... Was whispering to you and then it started screaming at you yep yep and it was screaming really loud yeah and w when you say self like did, do you think that this helped because you have a high level of awareness of your body yourself your environment your routine did you always have that did this did this help you develop that like how did you actually develop that well i think i had a really unique relationship with wellness it was something i was obsessed with from a really young age both my parents had autoimmune conditions. So it was something that I just became so obsessed with learning everything I could about health and nutrition from the time I was in sixth grade. So I don't know how old you are yeah. then, but sixth grade, 12, 12 yeah, sixth grade on, I was cooking a lot of my own food for myself. If my mom was cooking, I would kind of reinvent something that she did so that it was, you know, my version of healthy because I didn't want to have those health conditions. That's how so. you became such a good cook, huh? That makes sense. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, we've been having some good dinner. Some parties. great dinners. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so I just became super obsessed from that age. And I feel like Google and YouTube was really big then too, with just being able to have so much access to uh, new ways of nutrition. It wasn't just you had a cookbook like we did when we were really young. And so I could just have all this access to whatever the new health trends that were, or I was studying a lot of doctors who had healed autoimmune conditions and trying to encourage my parents like, oh, this worked or that worked. And it was really hard to break family traditions. So I thought, okay, what if, if I just change my own diet and if I own change, if I change my own lifestyle and really focused on it, it's not going to happen to me. So I became really focused on my nutrition and workout and um, exercise routine that that was like my main areas I focused on and everything else I didn't really consider as affecting your health. Um, and so I would say I was really in tune with how my body felt in those two areas, like with what I was eating and with how I was working out. And I was working out at a really high level too, like yeah. three, four hours a day minimum for years. Um, but I didn't know what it was like to slow down and actually rest and also find that as part of your wellness mm -hmm. routine. And so I think I thought if you just had the most perfected nutrition and perfected exercise routine that that was what wellness was but I realized it was so much more than that especially when the big wall hit at the end of the 2019 that's when I really um realized it's so much bigger than just what you eat and what uh you do for exercise or what you do um to I guess spiritually even I thought I had a good spiritual practice, but I think that there's even more to just being a lot more quiet and not filling your time. So that was that was something that I think I didn't take seriously until the big wall. Mm, the big wall. The big, the big wall. wall. I yeah. you, you said a lot of really insightful things there that I, I appreciate. And one is around challenges around wanting to change your family are difficult. And I and I know from yeah. experience, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. Um with wanting or seeing a better path for their parents, their brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, whatever, family members or friends even. But what I like what you said, it's like, and for me, I found, I don't know if you found this the same, but my mentality was, okay, I'm going to just embody everything myself and like uh, be so good that they ask questions mm -hmm. and, and embody that yourself until they ask. Did you do, is that sounds like a kind of similar approach? Yeah. I mean, at first I would say it was a bit pushier and my whole family probably could attest to that and they'll probably laugh if they end up listening to this um but it but then I hit a certain point where I was like okay 
it's kind of falling on deaf ears and it is really hard to break a tradition and really food is something and nutrition and lifestyle is something that feels so integral to a family Mm -hmm. especially one that's very cultural and our family is from Italy and Hawaii and food and lifestyle is such a big part of it so um, I realized I couldn't break it myself by just telling them over and over again all these facts or it said oh this new research came out or this one but it was just really myself making those choices and when I left for college a lot of them started to make those choices themselves and it was like they started to hear it and it was like surround sound from other people and they were like oh yeah Hannah has been doing this for a while (laughs) and then I would come home and my mom figured out how to make all of our family recipes but a little bit healthier or just take removing a few ingredients and you know again that's not nutrition is not everything when it comes to wellness but there were choices that she started to make and other family members started to make my sister is now really into health and wellness and so is the rest of my family but all of those things were choices they they chose to make later on got it but i mean food is the is a is a big entry point yeah it seems like and when you say breaking tradition like is it around the food ritual around food certain recipes things like that yeah yeah and i yeah i think when you come from your family's yeah similar yeah food is what a lot of family gatherings revolve around. So if you're not eating the exact same thing that everyone else is, it's yeah. wild how uh, much emotion can be brought into it. But you, yeah, you figure it out. Tell me more about that. Was there like an experience where you were eating, you like brought your own food or you decided to eat a different every, variation? Every dinner. Every dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and I can imagine that <laughs> stirred some things yeah. up. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, I think now we all look back and kind of laugh because they all eat the exact same way that I do. And it's not an issue at all. And there's Mm. none of that. But at the time, I mean, this was, I'm not that old, but this was still like 12, 13, maybe 14 years ago. And the way that I was eating then was not as wildly accepted or it wasn't as talked about there was an instagram where you're seeing everyone make these recipes all the time or like overnight oats or all these yeah. things were so strange before and now it's every day for right me. so where did you where did you get your information from then where did you get your sources from all over i yeah. think my first entry point to it was um one of our family friends gave my dad when he was struggling with crohn's disease Um, this book called The Maker's Diet. And it was really interesting. And it was all about um, this guy who had, who was a doctor and he was trained Western, but then he himself got this crazy uh, Crohn's disease case where nobody could figure out how to fix it. And so he just dug into his own diet and he he came from a Christian background, but the way that he found um, the best diet that worked from him was really like the principles and Uh, of food that they talk about in the Bible. And so he kind of broke that down and then also just looked at like what older um, groups of people used to eat and what was foundational and what was things that we just started adding in recent years that weren't uh, necessary parts of our diet and actually can hurt you, especially if you're more inflamed and sensitive. And so I read that book and was really obsessed with just how off we were, especially in my family, how we were eating. We knew nothing of that. It just, we had really good food growing up because my grandma's from Italy and my whole family is. And so most things were were made from scratch, but then kind of as her tradition started to die out and we kind of had our family that we were making, there was definitely different food choices that were being made and they were far, far, far from what the maker's diet was. So then from there, I just kind of sparked my own hunt on different wellness trends. And I call them trends because there was definitely trends and things that I followed that I wouldn't say. What was the craziest trend that you got hooked on? I don't know. I I, There was so many. I I feel like at the time you made everything out of protein powder for Mm -hmm. a long time, like mug cakes. or there's these weird things which your sister would laugh about because she did all the same things like protein fluff and all these weird. It was like low carb, Greek yogurt, rice cakes was like the principal diet of high school, (laughs) which is so funny. But um, yeah, I I can't even think. There was so many weird things that I did. But uh, yeah, so I just started digging in. There was different health health and wellness they weren't really influencers at the time. They're maybe YouTubers or right. um, they had blogs. Blogs are big. <laughs> I had a few yeah. blogs that I would go to for recipes. And that was kind of 
what sparked it. Right. So nutrition was yeah. kind of the gateway, then fitness. Mm -hmm. And then, and it was really nutrition and fitness until you got burnt out because you thought, okay, nutrition fitness is all I need. That's wellness right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you got burnt out. And then what, what was like, what did you like? What is your wellness kind of your idea of wellness now? And what else is added besides fitness? Well, I'd say another thing I would add is like I said at the beginning, but just the people around me were so high powered and so high paced. And I realized that's what I craved and I wanted to be around for so long. And I finally had those people around me. And so we were all encouraging each other and to a level that was starting to get unhealthy. And I think I also realized like pretty soon after um, I got out of that first startup I worked at that, you know, we were, I was looking up to people who were in their twenties and I heard this, I heard this guy say this on a podcast the other day, but he was like, sometimes we look up to people who they haven't even made it out of their twenties yet. How do you know if they survived? And like, those are the people you're looking up to. That's kind of how I felt during that time. I was looking up to people who were not even out of their 20s yet thinking like, oh, that's the lifestyle I should match or I should mm. do even better than. And they hadn't even made it out alive, <laughs> you know. So that was kind of, I feel like one other part of it was like diet, nutrition, and then who I was looking at as mm. as a role like, models, role models and the level of, I guess, like work ethic that I should have and just mm. hours in a day. And, you know, maybe they were even lying about the hours of the day that they right. were sleeping or whatnot. And so, you know, I think that's another lesson is just making sure who you're following is the right role model and, uh, you know, maybe not people who are in their 20s. <laughs> or maybe, I mean, it's fine to look at people who are in their 20s, but not looking at it like that's the ultimate truth. And um, I think most of that is just slowing down enough to be – tapped into what your own body needs and you're so different than the person next to you and uh so I feel like that's the bigger biggest part that I took out of um the end of my sort of spell with chronic fatigue is just making sure that I am so aware of myself and what I individually need to mm -hmm. be able to go through with my life and still live a really full life um, and now I feel like I can really tell when I'm getting anywhere away from that because I can just tell, whoa, something I feel off or I feel like I need to cancel plans or I need to just make more room and more margin for, um, you know, listening to God, listening to my body, listening to just everything that isn't noise all around me. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Um, I heard you use the G word. God yes. and talk about spirituality before what yes. what role does what role does that play what role does God religion um spirituality play in all of this for you and that's that's big it's a big part of my life and my world I'm Christian but I think that having a relationship with God is so important to my life and making sure that you know that you're not the biggest thing in the world I feel like and just knowing you're oh, yeah. And just knowing that there is something greater and it's not just thinking that I'm smaller than something. It's more just knowing that I don't have to have the weight of my own life in my own hands. It's in someone else's hands ultimately. And that, you know, I can do the best that I can with, with what I've been given and with what, um, work I can put in and what I can, um, create and do. But at the end of the day, it's really, uh, there's a greater power that has ultimate control. Mm, I like that. Were you always, I know you were raised Christian, right? Yeah. Were you always, were you always into it? Did you go through a period where you're yeah. like, ah, oh, I'm not so into it and then came back to it? Cause I know it plays a really big relationship in your life right now. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think I have kind of a unique case just because my family was so religious and Christian my entire life. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. But I know so many people very close to me who had the same upbringing and they feel so resentful towards Christianity itself just because of how forced it felt on them or how much, um, yeah, I guess just forced they mm -hmm. were into it. But I feel like I was raised that way, but then I really early on made a choice that it was my own relationship with God and it was my own choice um, and how I wanted to have a relationship with God. And so because I made that for myself, I never viewed it as like, this is 
this is the authorities forcing us on me. So by the time I moved out and went to college, I had I was already so solid and that was my choice that it's just um, sort of been my lifestyle yeah. ever, ever since I can remember. Yeah, I think it's really cool to see a lot more young people um, talking about religion, talking about the relationship with God and whatever religion it might be, but finding that community, that connection, that um, that purpose, like you said, that mm -hmm. knowing that there's something greater going on here through the institution of religion, which obviously has had its ups and its downs. Yeah. And, and I think all religions have had some branding issues, right? But, but I love seeing, um, but, but I do love seeing, I don't know if you feel this way as well, but like with, I know, I don't, did you go to Zoe church in, in yeah, LA, that right? That's my church. That's your church. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Like, I, I think they're doing amazing things by yeah. getting community together and getting people into it. And there's kind of a buzz around it in a, in a yeah. hopefully a helpful way. Right. Yeah. I mean, they just celebrated six years yesterday, right. which is amazing. And, um, I think, yeah, Zoe is, is a great example of, there are other young churches popping up, but every time I see a new church pop up, I get so excited because I think it is about, you know, Zoe is amazing, but it's about the big C, like bigger church that is just helping people find their relationship with God. And mm -hmm. I oftentimes don't like talking about it, like saying Christianity, because I think religion is a thing that I'm most against. I have a relationship with Jesus and I believe that uh, he and or I believe that God has really changed my life, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I don't like to think of it in a legalistic way, and I don't believe that's the heart of Christianity, too, which sometimes when you say I'm Christian comes with a lot of things that people believe about mm -hmm. Christians that are more legalistic, um, and I'm sure maybe you can feel the same way about Judaism as mm -hmm. well, um, that you know, when you say that word, it comes with like, oh, then you have to do all these work. You must have yeah. to do all these works then. And so I think that's not really the heart of it. Totally. Yeah. I mean, us Jews have been persecuted for all the time. So we, we know, there's a lot that gets stirred up yeah. when we bring it up for sure. Um, no, that's really cool, though. I like that. And, and, and your relationship with God on like a practical level as it relates to your you know, self-care or wellness routine. What does that look like? You go to church on Sunday, which it seems like brings you a lot. Yeah. Daily prayer meditation. What kind of, what does that look like for you? Definitely a combination. I mean, church on Sunday, I feel like is, is just a routine that I enjoy because it's seeing other people's faith around you and also just reminding you there's other people who um, sort of are on the journey with you, which is the same thing to me as, going to a workout to you that you really like or working out with a friend or sharing a meal with others. It's just having that community of people who are um, aligned. But I think it's probably the smallest part of my faith that I find important. And I think it's more about the Monday through Saturday part of your faith. And um, for me, again, it's, it goes back to like my ultimate reason why I believe what I believe and just knowing that there's a bigger uh, source and there's some, but there's, yeah, there's a bigger source out there who is, um, going to be along with me along the journey. And during my morning time is a really important time for me that I just, I use as a time of prayer and worship. And I feel like that really sets up my day to just, um, be grateful and to pray for people in my life. Um, so that's, that's a big practice. Great. Prayer is a powerful force. Mm -hmm. I always, I think that there's kind of two core beliefs that I, I really hold near and dear to my heart and, and they kind of seem like two sides of the same coin and it's kind of a paradox, but, um, one of them is, you know, you're in control and like, it's your responsibility to, you can take responsibility for your life and nobody's going to, nobody's going to come save you in that way. Meaning it's yeah. up to you to make the decisions and to do what you want to do with, with your life in that way. And, mm -hmm. um, I love the Victor Frankl quote, um, from when he was uh, in the concentration camp where he said, everything can be taken away from man besides one last thing, his ability to choose his own attitude in any given set of circumstances. Like that to me encapsulates like, take responsibility. Anything can be happening over here, but you have the ability to decide how you're going to let it affect you and how you choose to act. Like yeah. so powerful. And then on the other side of that, it's like, it's all about, one's all about responsibility. And the other side is like a surrender and like yeah. a trust the process. And yeah. like, it's, 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 it's not, it's hands. out of my hands, yeah. but it's kind of this interesting paradox yeah. or thing. But I, for whatever reason that works for me thinking about it, it's like, it's one coin, but there are two sides 
of the same coin. Like it's up to you to take responsibility for your life and nobody can make you feel a certain way. Yeah. And at the same time, like it's also out of your control. Like Steve yeah. Jobs says, you can only connect the dots looking backward, not forward. Yeah, exactly. I think it's really important to have both those because the free will is what makes the free gift of of grace and of peace and of joy so, so important, both of them together. And so I think knowing that you have the free will to choose to choose to be a good person in this world, to choose to give back, mm -hmm. to choose to create. Uh, it, it's not forced. You're not forced to believe what you believe. You get to choose that. And then with choosing that comes all the benefits. You know? mm. Love that a lot. Yeah. yeah um, kind of along those lines, one, one of the more fun things that's happened these last couple weeks as COVID scares have been popping up and in the spheres around us. Yeah. Like I've loved our conversations where we've been just been like, no, we're good. Like we're, we're not going to buy into this all right now. Like we're healthy, we're good, we're strong. And like keeping that as a dominant belief of everybody else could be running around with their heads cut off and be like in total panic mode, but we're going to remain composed. I'm going to remain composed. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Hmm. Well, I think I think something that we always talk about is just fear. Fear is a really strong force that can drive you to <laughs> become sick. And even, you know, I'm not unaware there is there is something going around. Right. There's definitely something that's harming a lot of people. And that's not to joke about. However, fear is something that I think can exasperate a lot of issues. And um, COVID aside, fear is harmful for your health in a lot of ways. So I think just resetting and back to what we were talking about of being in tune with yourself, in tune with your body. I think knowing how to reset, how to get into the space where you feel healthy, what routines you have set up, if you can get out in nature, if you can get outside in general and um, or have a, have your workout routine, have your nutrition routine and do the things that you can feel like, OK, I'm set up. I know I'm healthy. I've done all of my uh, routines and I don't have to I don't have to fear and it's out of my hands. And I also think too, the other part is if you do get sick, I also think there's a surrender. And if you have any kind of sickness, illness, whether it's what's going around right now or what, whether it's just a normal illness that can come around, it, that's also a surrender and it's a time to learn and a time to reflect and rest. Big time. There's, uh, there's strength in recovery and in rest. Mm -hmm. That was a lesson I had to learn when I was burning out doing mm -hmm. training for an Ironman of like, yo, yep. there's a lot of strength in recovery and you yeah. can actually do your body a lot of harm if you don't take that. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy that you did that. Yeah. Too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would, so I can actually, cause I wasn't able to run the race because of the shin splints I got the day, the week before I shipped my bike out. We, I was ready to go with my cousin. We were all set. And I was doing, literally we started tapering. And when I started tapering, I was like something doesn't feel right in my shin, oh, I'm gonna ignore it. Yeah. And then it ended up being full blown shin splints. And now wow. over the course of that next week, it got to the point where I could barely walk. Wow. And it was a very challenging decision to decide to pull out from the race um, and not race it. Cause I was like on the border, I could probably tough it out. Maybe I, maybe I can do it. But talk about surrender. I came to the decision, I felt good about it. And there was a lot of learning for me there too, around the idea of like the journey, the destination around a quote unquote failure too, right? Of like, I've been visualizing this goal for literally nine months. I've been training all, you know, nonstop. I've been training 20 hours a week, nonstop, like, and for this goal of crossing the finish line, but I didn't even get to start to the start line. And it brought up a lot, but that was what I needed at the time. And of course, like the surrender a couple, couple months later, I was at the gym and I was swimming, doing some laps in the pool and I was talking to some guy who was in the locker room after and he was on crutches and um, and I was talking, oh, you healing? He's like, yeah, you know, I had I had some shin splints and I ran a marathon after the doctors told me not to. And I got a stress fracture and I've been yeah. four months non weight bearing and like I hope to get back in a year. And I was like, oh, my goodness, yeah, that <laughs> it was crazy. Like, who knows if that would have happened to me or not? But it was great confirmation in that decision of like. Yeah. deciding to do what's best for your long-term well-being and longevity, which is tough, especially when we're young and we're, we we feel like we can do all these things. Yeah. It's like, how, what, what role does longevity play? You know? Yeah, exactly. Do you think that there 
there was just not enough rest that you did in training? I overtrained. I definitely yeah. overtrained. Um, in hindsight, I, I overtrained and, and I lost sight of the fun in it for me too. Okay. Like it became so serious and regimented and it wasn't fun at the end. And yeah. I don't know if you can experience like you've done a lot of running. Yeah, right? For sure. And yeah, I think overtraining, I, I think a lot of programs that people make honestly are overtrained. Yeah. And especially if you're physically pretty fit, you, there's often a lot less training that you need, especially for some endurance racing, um, just because you know, it takes a lot of hours to build endurance miles. So if you're just going from a pretty good gym routine and a little bit of cardio to a full marathon training or Ironman training, it's a lot of stress on your body right away. Right. So what you've done a bunch of races, right? And you do something in, I guess, right before you must have burnt out in Vegas, right? What did you do? The run yeah, to Vegas? Speaking of shin splints, one of my <laughs> teammates actually had that uh. same thing happen, stress fracture. Um, but yeah, so I ran a relay race to Vegas with amazing uh, eight other or seven other women. It was an eight girl team. And uh, we ran from Santa Monica to Vegas, so which was cool. so fun. I think we all ran. Uh, I think it was 370 miles oh. over the course of we did it in 51 hours. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, everyone did a different split. I think I ended up doing about 70 something miles. Oh my God. Time, which is really fun. But I think, yeah, it, I mean, I had no idea how many miles I was going to be able to do. I mean, we signed yeah. up and I was like, I'm pretty sure I've run more miles training for a lot short of a race. I have right. no idea what to expect right now. And we, got there and every single mile I was like wow thank you body that was crazy uh -huh. I can't believe we just did another one and uh it was crazy uh, just running through Death Valley and every mile along the way I was like this is crazy That's insane. <laughs> wild got chased by coyotes overnight uh, it was how did the logistics of that work so one person yeah. started in Santa Monica did you all start in Santa Monica or did you were you spaced out or yeah, did you drive them out so it's okay like, it was a relay race right so right and um so we had thankfully we had a really awesome team that uh Nike helped support us on so we had a full crew team which like cool. Not everyone, I'm sure, had that. So right. I definitely feel like we had a, a unique experience. Yeah. But we had one RV that would follow kind of trail kind of far behind. And then we had a follow car that would stay right with whoever was running at the time. And that follow car would have a couple girls. So since we were an eight-person team, we'd have four girls in the follow car, four mm. in the RV. The RV team would be kind of recovering, getting food, doing a round of we had like Norma Tech oh. compression boots that we could get in some recovery. We'd yeah. stretch. You'd try to nap for like 30 minutes and it was a whole rotation. Like a little circuit. Yeah. Um, and then we'd have the follow car who would have a circuit of four girls doing like we changed up the legs every single time because yeah. it just depended where you were. Sometimes you'd have to drop someone off and they'd run four miles. Sometimes you it was just straight road. So we could make them smaller segments if we needed to. Um, at the beginning, we were going to run a lot longer legs. And thankfully, someone came to our RV right when we were mapping out the whole course at like 3 a.m. the morning of when we were leaving. We were mapping it all out, cutting up the course. And someone came to our tent who had done the race before and was like, oh, just so you know, you guys, that's way too long. You guys are going to burn out. And so we thankfully had that right before the finish line. Wow. So we changed our entire strategy after that and cut all the segments to be a lot shorter. Um, but still, we still had to put those miles on our body. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. Was yeah. it a great feeling when y'all finished? Yeah, we were in tears. I <laughs> can imagine. Wild. I didn't cry the whole time. And I was like, I don't think I have emotion in me. And as soon as we saw the Las Vegas sign, we were. Oh, my nice. God. I got the chills just thinking about yeah, that. It was. And we got there during sunrise. It was like 6 wow. a.m. And it was so cool. That's like one of those life things, yeah. huh? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's doing it with friends, too, or doing oh, it with yeah, people that you like. Friends. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. So you I want to ask you a little bit more about your kind of one thing I really admire about you is your um, your ability to prioritize yourself and your wellness balancing all these things because like on top of running your own business and working on so many different projects and all these different things you still make time to build social relationships and network and also take care of yourself and all of the above um when it comes to like socially interacting like you don't drink much do you i do occasionally occasionally yeah. okay 
What's what's your relationship with with alcohol or with going out and food and alcohol in that way? Because I know you're very out there in the scene. What's the how does that all play out for you? Yeah, I think it's been different at different seasons. For the most part, I'm not a big drinker. Um, I think one, I'm a pretty addictive personality and I just have recognized in myself it doesn't make me feel the best to constantly need that in social settings. And I think it's a good exercise to not rely on that. Um, And I host a lot of events for work. And I think it's been a fun challenge for myself to host night events and not drink at all. Um, And so it kind of was a challenge that I started my freshman year of college, didn't drink at all. Um, And I mostly did that for health reasons. I was still, I was kind of struggling with a little bit of autoimmune um, health issues then, but I didn't, and I, I just basically, I knew that Alcohol is one of those things that is very inflammatory. And if it's one thing I could control, I I didn't need a drink. And so I would still go to every social event possible, but I just didn't drink. And I don't think a lot of people even noticed. Sometimes I would carry an alcoholic kombucha or something with me, but I didn't really drink beyond that. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I like how you said it just be as a fun challenge. That's a great mindset to have with this of like of challenge because it is challenging and it can be very uncomfortable too. I remember doing a dry January and being in Vegas or, you know, being around parties and people and you're just like, you feel it's like, what do I do with my hands? Right. Like, what am I supposed to do right now? Yeah. I mean, I I think that's that's why it became kind of fun for me. I was like, I could drink right now or Mm -hmm. I don't have to. And I love having that choice. And it's, you know, I fully support most of my friends drink. I'm probably my only friend who has the same lifestyle, but, um, or I don't know if it's lifestyle, but it's like relationship with alcohol. But at the same time, I think it's been fun for me to not need to have that. And, um, for health reasons, it's also important to me. Mm -hmm. There's been times where I really couldn't have alcohol and it was easier for me to cut out because I'd already kind of been practicing that. Right. And, I think I was telling you this, but, um, well, we were having a conversation around this. That doesn't stop you from going out. It doesn't stop Mm -hmm. you from doing the dinner events, from meeting, meeting up with people, from socializing. Like you can do both, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is, I think is something that's really important to do. And it's still, I think that's managing your energy levels because I feel like a lot of people drink because they don't have enough energy at the end of the day. And maybe maybe that is prep work earlier in the week. You need to be resting more so that on weekends you don't need alcohol when you go out or, mm. you know, just finding other ways. There's Now we live in a time where there are so many other options, which we also were talking about. Right. Now there's not just out drinking or not drinking. You know, there's tons of alternatives that maybe you just think ahead and bring something to a party that you feel more comfortable drinking or just feels a little bit more social. Mm-hmm. And also I've noticed that the, the older that we get, the more chill and understanding I think yeah. friends are and the less pressure there is. People just want you to be there for you and want yeah. you to have, have fun and have a good time. At least I found that. And if you don't have that, then you're around around the wrong people, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of my friends are really supportive, but I do think that people get excited if you yeah. drink. So there, there's there's still fun times when I'm out and I'll have a drink or two and right. that's fine. But for the most part, I am pretty minimal when it comes to drinking. Yeah. I, I was so I was so grateful for the experience that I had in uh, I think it was 2019 and when I was did my dry January and we it came through Vegas and there was a bit we were in Vegas for one of my buddy's birthdays and one of my other roommates Danny um, he works at a record label and they manage a, an artist uh, named Griffin a big DJ in, in Vegas and and he's friends with him and, and helps work on his team and so we were getting like backstage at the concert in the yeah. club like bottle service everything covered we were going out there with a the, with a big group of guys and it was i'm gonna be an amazing yeah. trip and i remember at the at the beginning of the month like i want to do dry january things telling me to do it but i don't know i've got this thing yeah. and i decided to do it anyway sage helped me he was just like just do it just do it yeah. like you know <laughs> you just got to do it so i just said all right cool we're gonna do it and, I, and, I, and I, to your point about people getting excited i remember when we first got there and everybody started pregame before we were going down. I was like, you know, if I walked in and grabbed that bottle and just took a swig because people yeah. knew I was doing dry January, like the place would erupt and it would be like yeah. an amazing night. And we and I, and I was so close to doing it. And I'm like, you know what? No, we're going to see this through. 
And I made that decision at that moment to go 100%. I'm not going to drink this weekend. And then it was easy. Yeah, but I think that's also cool because it's something that you set a goal for yourself and yep. you're going to follow through with it, which I think helps telling people around you too and having people encourage you because yeah. if you have people like you had Sage that he probably would have been like, okay, you told me you wanted to not drink. So right. Checking in with you. And yeah, it's a goal that you set. And mm -hmm. You still accomplished it, you know. Absolutely. And th that night and throughout the time in Vegas, like I didn't even have a sip of caffeine. And because I was doing no caffeine also during the dry January, yeah. I did it to the extreme. I do that every January. It's really Do you? Yeah, you do no every, alcohol, no caffeine? Every it's January. good. Yeah. Yeah. A good reset. Yeah. When I, when I felt the energy levels that I felt and I was up all night partying with everybody till four or 5 a.m. And without, I was just that it smashed any connection between alcohol or energy or like I need to be partying to have fun yeah. in that way. And that was really powerful. You can do both. Really cool. You do both in mm -hmm. your own way, but it doesn't yeah. have to be one or the other. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the biggest, the big thing is just that you can do both. Like, yeah. like if you choose to not drink, amazing. If you choose to drink, that's also awesome too. But just feeling really uh, like a hundred percent yes with whatever choice you make, I think is the biggest thing. So if I go out and it's not a hundred percent yes that I want to drink, I don't. And if it isn't, then I do. And it's great. <laughs> That's amazing. And I think that building that internal feedback with your body of knowing what is 100% yes feel like in my body right now? Yeah. Is it to do this? Is it? To, I mean, I reference that all the time when I'm making decisions. Do you do the same? Yeah. I think it was something Nina, your sister, told me a long time ago. Is it a book? The I don't know. I remember. Yeah. I don't know. I remember that was something that uh, we talked about a lot. Mm -hmm like maybe a few years ago, but just it became something that I run decisions through. Yeah. It's not 100% yes. It becomes so easy to right. say no. Yeah. If it's uh, the saying I've always used is if it's not a hell yeah, it's a no. Like exactly. it's either hell yeah or it's a no yeah. in that way. Okay. I want to I wanna ask you about career because okay. you've had a really interesting career path that you're still navigating. And I know you're still in your 20s too, so. We are really going everywhere. We're going all over the place. We're, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're going all over the place. We don't have much time left, so there's we gotta okay. try to navigate through all these open waters. We can um, make this one quick, fire round. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be as long as we need it to be. So, uh, career, you came into college and you were, like I said, you were working full-time in a startup. And like, mm -hmm. at what point did you realize, and maybe it was then, maybe it was before, at what point did you realize like, okay, I'm going to take, everybody's going left. I'm going to go right. Like I'm going to yeah. take a different path here career wise and just life in general. It sounds like that yeah. might've started earlier with some of the health stuff, but yeah. where did you feel like you decided I'm taking this path? It started a lot earlier and the health, health stuff was part of that being so young and making the, those decisions. I had a very different lifestyle than a lot of people did in middle school, mm -hmm. high school. I homeschooled for a lot of my childhood too, which I think made me really independent with a lot of my decisions. Cool. And I had a different breakdown of what my day looked like. All my friends were going to school for eight hours a day, but I was building my own schedule and my school was wow. not regimented. It was, I taught myself. And then I had a couple like check-ins throughout the week with online teachers. It was really like college. Wow. And so I, yeah. What, what, what age? What was it? Was this high school, middle school? Most of my schooling. So really? I did off and oh. on. Yeah. So I did um, kindergarten, first and second. Oh, yeah. Kindergarten through third in school. Uh -huh. Then I did homeschool fourth through ninth grade. Wow. And then did you go to and high school? Went, and then I realized, okay, I'm going to miss out on right that i really wanted and uh friendships and you know the prom and all of that yeah so i went back to school sophomore through 12th grade we got we got to find a way yeah. to do both because i yeah. feel that way too and i have it a feeling was, maybe my sister will figure it out because she's having so. kids now so she's a little bit yeah, ahead of the curve that, yeah that I, we're godparents yeah yes co exactly co-godparents as co-godparents we demand the best for our godson <laughs> yes. um but i think that I feel the same way, but I want there's got to be some union of the two together because that's the same thing. It's like I don't want my kids to miss out on playing sports, playing football, yeah. and going to prom and those social connections well, that's you make. Our next podcast because we could talk on that. We could, ages. we could. But in regards to how that set up, what I became when I got to college, I was already sort of on a different schedule than most people around me, and you know, in my homeschooling life, I could get done with all of my homework on Sunday and have a full week to plan whatever I wanted. So I kind of 
already was uh, brain hacking or, yeah, you know, just hacking my schedule. You were a CEO of your life already at that point. You weren't like, yeah. oh, now I don't know what to do with my time because now I have time. Yeah. And I worked and, and mm -hmm. I started and I didn't know it was going to be my career, but I just was in a really amazing situation where I got to work with um, people who kind of took me under their wing at this creative agency when I was in seventh grade. And so I would get done with all my homework on the weekends so that I could be at the agency all week and just doing anything that they would give me. So I'd kind of like peer over people's shoulders and be like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And I was probably annoying at the time. Or they'd give me projects to work on and they'd say, okay, just try this. And they'd have to redo everything I did. And then I finally figured out how to do different things, whether it was like digital editing or I was color correcting pictures. And it was an agency that there was a lot of different things going on, but I helped a, um, a few people with their post-production. And so I kind of got my wheels turning in that I knew I wanted to do something creative. I also knew I loved being in charge of my own schedule. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just didn't know how all those pieces were going to come together. My parents are very entrepreneurial. So then once I got to college and once I was in the opportunity to be at a fast-paced startup and I had a lot of responsibility, uh, it wasn't really hard to make decisions that maybe other people thought were hard. Right. Like I didn't... Uh, you're you know, kind of always doing that. Yeah, you're yeah. always doing that. Like in my college house, it was like a sorority house with people coming in and out all the time. There's always a million people around and there was always something to go to at night. And I would be sitting, working on our kitchen table at like 11 p.m. Everyone would leave to go out. And when they'd come back at 2 a.m., I would still be working. And so there was definitely a different pace that I was on from people around me. And most of the people I lived with, like my junior and senior years of school, um, they were they didn't have a job that they mm -hmm. were wanting to do out of college. So I was definitely on a different page. But at the same time, I knew what that was like from a really early age to not necessarily have people the same age as you have the same schedule as you. So I didn't think of it as really different. You just you knew you were doing your thing and yeah. you were fine cohabitating with other people doing their thing as yeah. well. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for who I had around me because I feel like when I got yeah. to school, I I, uh, I had like a core crew of people that we all kind of found each other and knew that we were all on the same train of um, work and life and lifestyle. And so I had really awesome workout buddies in, mm -hmm. in college, uh, people that we would work together. And then as we all started to find our own ways, it was nice to have people that um, – you could kind of bounce ideas yeah. off of and do life with and then everyone kind of branched off in a way. Yeah, you were at LMU, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Go Lions. Go Lions. It's a cool campus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I, I want to keep going down this career path, but first we need to talk more about education system. Okay. <laughs> yes. We're gonna be here for three hours. It's okay, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. People can <laughs> anybody listening, you do not have to continue listening. If you want to hear more about education, we're gonna go into education for a sec here. Yeah. Because you have a really unique experience yeah. with it. It's really important to me as a topic. So that's why I'm saying we could be here. Okay, why is it important to you as a topic? Uh I think I had a really unconventional schooling mm -hmm. and it and it made it so that when I got to every stage in school, I was and not gloating about myself, but I'll talk about like my siblings too. Everyone was, we were ahead of a lot of people yeah. around us. And it wasn't, um, I remember a lot of people would say to my parents if they heard they were homeschooling us, oh, your kids are going to be so socially off or, oh, they had all these negative things. It was never positive. I'm, even family members would say negative things about us homeschooling and it was always oh, they're going to be so behind in their education or they're not going to be this or they're not mm -hmm. going to be that. But we all went from homeschooling for quite a few years straight to school and we were in honors classes. We could be in sports. We did the things that uh, were, I guess, normal for those ages, but we could also balance having normal things too, like having other hobbies that weren't sports or school related. Mm. Like I had work outside of those things. And I think it just gave me a well-rounded approach to life. And so my sister is the same way when she went to school. She knew that she had other interests and she mm -hmm. wanted to. She could, you know, she could deal with having a sorority life, a social life, uh, 
church life and also work and full school schedule and get honors and be in the top classes. So I think you learn that and you learn the time management skills so much better when you homeschool versus being in this schooling system that we have in the U.S., which is wild that you're stuck in school and mostly indoors all day. I spent all of my days outside for the most part, and I do my schoolwork outside. And yeah, I don't know. Clearly, you never lived in. Clearly, I love that. Clearly, you never lived in Ohio because, unfortunately, we can't do do school outside there. Well, even not school outside. I think it's just the unconventional, right? Which outside, yeah, yeah, unconventional. In every way, my Mm -hmm. upbringing was unconventional, but I think that was a good way. It was unconventional. Yeah, sure. And I I think we share the unique because you graduated, right? No, you did not. Okay. I want to leave of absence still, you know. I'm That's amazing. Back. Okay, so what? to if I want to go back. Okay, so you could go back, man. So I'm really lucky. I was able to sneak away yeah. with a piece of paper just because the I had a really good relationship with some of the people in the. Yeah, you were really lucky. Very lucky in that way. So you. I tried. You tried, and I they tried. were not flexing. They were not trying no. to help you out. They they did try to help me out, and I love. I I had a great experience at LMU, mm-hmm. and they tried in every way to help me finish and for the first years that I was working at the startup and doing school mm-hmm. and doing the balance, they did everything they could to make sure that my schedule worked with work or they made sure that I was, you know, I had taken a lot of honors classes in high school and made sure all of those counted so that I didn't have to retake those in college. So they were doing things to help with my schedule. Right. But at the end of the day, they wanted me in class for those hours mm-hmm. Um with that coursework to get my degree. Yeah, got it. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, when I, I I worked full time for the last two years of yeah, college, also you did both. Uh, it, the amazing thing was that my school was like, "Yo, this is what college should be about: getting these experiences." Yeah, so, um, and so they were helped me, as I said, bend the rules a little bit. But I was very fortunate to have that. But um, I think most people, the time management piece is really interesting that you're talking about from mm-hmm. from homeschooling. Because that's such a big thing when we're 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 never taking control or accountability of our own time. Because it's like you show up from school eight to three, and then sports. It's like your time is slated out for you. Yeah. And then in high school, it is at least, and middle all the way up. And then you get to college, and all of a sudden, like you have, you can choose when you put your classes. You can be yeah. not have class for a whole day, and, and then you have all this time. Forcing you to go to class Nobody's either. forcing you to go with to go to class, and then you have all this time. It's like, oh, what do I do all this time? And I was at the school in an environment yeah. where it was like. Well, let's go drink or let's go party or let's exactly. go do these these different things. And I was lucky to get in with the right group of friends and the right people and the right opportunities. Everything college. Everything. Is that yeah. like tell me more about that? Was that the experience you had of like having that yeah. right group of people? Well, again, like I had a very unique situation because I was a part of the startup so early. Yeah. And I before the startup, my first few months in school, I already had the internship that I dreamed of in high school. So I was already, my time was so, so limited and I had high goals for myself when it came to schooling. So I forced myself to go to school, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people around me were floundering for a bit there because they, they went from that very regimented high school schedule where your parents knew your whole schedule, Mm -hmm. where you, um, had to be at school. You're doing things throughout the whole day. Yeah. You had to keep up your grades in school so that you could go to your sports. Otherwise you couldn't, you know, so you had a lot of things in place that forced your schedule. And then you got to college, like you said, and you could make your own fun. And there was a lot of fun to be had in college. Um, I remember one of my best friends, her brother in school, what we were, they were twins and he didn't go to any of his classes freshman year. And they didn't know that until they got to the end of the semester and his parents got called in and it was this whole thing. But it was just a good reminder to me that I realized not everyone's that extreme, but at the same time, I think it just sets you up homeschooling and having a little bit more autonomy of your life before you get Mm -hmm. to college. um, Where, yeah, you can learn those skills before you just let out in college. I feel like, you're more prepared for high school for the quote unquote real world working a a, a full on job and balancing life in high school than you are in college like i think high school better prepares you for that than the college structure if it's if it's if it's not done to the degree that 
you can do it. Yeah. Like you had a college experience where that really prepared you. Mm -hmm. But I same with me, but a lot of people don't have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Important. So we're going to create a whole new education system. It's done. It's happening. And then, so to touch on the career piece. Big thing I want to invest in in the next. Education. Yeah. There's some cool stuff happening in the education technology space with just the a lot of a lot of cool things happening are you yeah. seeing some of the stuff happening i am and even just in my own life watching my friends who are our age who already have one kid two kids mm. and or the one my friends who are a little bit older who are already having to choose their Schools, their kids yeah. path and a lot of um people are creating these pod schools which i think is a really interesting concept um so that you can still have a little bit more flexibility with Mm -hmm. your schoolwork but your kids are socialized and you're getting to um choose the coursework that your kids are getting or even some of my friends have done a school style where kids are learning with i think it's like four grades or five grades which Mm. is interesting so they're all doing the same subject different uh I guess, rigor to, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. it. So if it's math and it's four grades all together, they're all learning math, but they might have different work that they're individually right. doing. But I think that's also an interesting concept because if you're younger and you're thriving in that, you might want to jump up a grade mm-hmm. in that subject, but you might not want to jump up a grade in all subjects. So yeah, there's definitely interesting. Yeah, more dynamic. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So then after you finished your time with Namba, after Namba came to a wrap, yep. what was the next move for you? You were like, okay, cool. I've yeah, got this experience. I don't know if we talked about the name of it, but Namba is Oh, yeah, startup. the startup that you were, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You were working on with my sister and, and our friend Danny and yes. a lot of other lovely people and Miley memories. and Doug. <laughs> yeah, everybody. <laughs> Chef Lo, <laughs> yeah. shout out to that squad. That was so good. Um what, what was so a- after Namba, what was your your, oh. your next move? Yeah, I mean, Namba was amazing and it set up a lot of relationships in LA, especially for me. But, you know, like we described, I was pretty head down and focused on Namba. I kind of didn't realize what my options were because I was so focused on that Namba was going to work and that I was going to be there for a lot longer. And when that didn't end up happening. It was really for the better for everyone involved. Um, and I think having been a part of that uh, in a very short story, it we had to dissolve the company mm-hmm. earlier than we had hoped to. But um, I think there was a lot that I learned from it failing in a lot of ways that were invaluable for me moving forward. Um, and a lot of people had seen my work more than I thought because I had blinders on and I was so focused on Namba for so long. So I thought when I left there, I was uh, head of marketing there and I thought I would just kind of move on to another food and beverage startup because I figured that would be like the most applicable next next step. step. Um, but after that, I just started getting asked a lot to do branding work on individual brands and, I realized too when that was when Namba was ending that food and beverage is something I'm super passionate about just because of my own passions and wellness, but I didn't necessarily just want to be in food and beverage. Um, and so it was a really unique opportunity for me not to just go into another food and beverage startup and to get a breath of industries under my belt. And so I started um, freelance working for various different brands and um, worked in everything from apparel to I still worked on a few other CPG brands, um, some more fashion related companies, um, mm-hmm. lifestyle brands. And it was, yeah, the last few years have been really fun to just get a bigger breadth of companies and industries uh, that I can work with and learn from and also different types of companies from startups to big corporate brands. Um and I've learned so much. So cool. I feel like given your history yeah. of of being homeschooled and taking advantage of your time, like yeah. freelancing lifestyle probably lends very well towards what you do. Yeah, it really does. I mean, I think to me, it just has always also felt like a healthier lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I needed to be at a nine to five, I could definitely make that work. Thankfully, I haven't had to go back to that. But um, I think just being able to be in charge of your schedule and if I know I operate better early mornings mm-hmm. for working, like we've talked about our work schedules before, I would much rather get in a really early morning of work and then if I want to take a midday workout, 
or if I want to take a midday, go see a friend or something um, to break up my day. And then I have another power afternoon and evening. That's a better lifestyle to me Mm -hmm. than having to be regimented and just in an office all day long. So um, yeah, it's definitely the lifestyle I prefer and can optimize around. Amazing. Yeah. Well, this has been such a fun combo. Um, we have covered a wide breadth of topics and yeah. um, really insightful stuff. I've got a lot of notes here just from insights taken okay. from this, so thank you. Uh, anything that you want to share with any of the listeners uh, as we uh, as we wrap here? Hmm. I'm trying to think, what have you been reading recently? What have I been reading recently? Um, I have been. I just finished listening to one of the best audiobooks I've ever listened to. Which is? Which is I Forgot okay. to Die by Khalil Rafati. Wow. Um, have you heard of Sun Life Organics? Yeah. Um, oh, the owner. Of the owner, yes. Okay. Um, he has... Nice audiobooks. Um, one of the most wow. unbelievable stories. Like, I've never been listening to an audiobook and been, like, jaw-dropped oh, saying, oh, my God, out loud. Wow. David Goggins, Can't Hurt Me, was the other one, one that's like that's that. But it's I put it up there with David Goggins. Um. I mean, he just has an amazing story of of coming, moving to LA from Ohio, of course, and uh, and kind of getting big into um, into the industry, and then going down this crazy rabbit hole of addiction till the point where he was homeless, a homeless heroin junkie on the streets, um, and brought to like his death multiple times before, like how he survived. All these stories that he tells is insane, but it just it changed my perspective so much on that and just the way he told the story and it's him narrating it. Yeah. That's Phenomenal awesome. read. So yeah, that's what I'm reading. Okay, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to think of what I've been thinking yeah, what about have you, or yeah. learning lately. But I don't know, something I've been thinking about today, my my best friend and I we usually catch up. She's in London and mm. we work on a lot of projects together, but we usually catch up in the early mornings because it's like her yeah, afternoon. Yeah. yeah. So this morning she said something that I've been thinking about, but she's saying that old roads can't make, wait, I think it's old roads can't make new ways. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that, you know, especially given the time that we're in and that there's so much shifting, but also so much you kind of want to hold on to and stay comfortable in, but just making uh, making sure that we're always making away for new for new possibilities in our life and not holding on to the old ways that we've done things um yeah so i love that about. you're thinking about that meaning that you're staying in san diego forever yes i love it <laughs> new I'm thinking just new. <laughs> no promises. that's amazing cool well hannah thanks so much for coming on um really love this conversation and uh excited for another one that we do sometime in the future yes 